Amen. Well, good evening. How we doing? Yeah? Good deal. Uh, well, hey, my name is Josh Story. I'm one of the young adult pastors here at Christ Chapel, uh, and it's good uh, to see everybody tonight. If you will, turn with me to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, we're going OT tonight, so uh, we'll be hanging out there uh, tonight. So uh, I love to plan surprises. Um, I don't know if people being surprised like being surprised, but I at least love to plan a good surprise. And so uh, back in November, I realized that I had uh, this flight voucher that I had to use in like three days or otherwise I lost it. So I was like, all right, cool. I got to figure it out where I'm going to go, where I'm going to travel to. So I started thinking about stuff. And I get to date this amazing girl. Her name's Haley. She's awesome. Uh, she's, she's a rock star. Y'all know her. Sweet. Cool. Um, and so, uh, so her birthday is a couple of days after Christmas, and she was going to be in California seeing f- f- family. So I was like, I got it. I'm going to take my voucher. I'm going to fly to California and surprise her for her birthday because that would be awesome, right? Like, that's a great surprise. And so I call her mom, call her friends, and like, I have this, like, plan. And so we start planning this epic, like, birthday surprise thing. And so I'm getting really excited. And so the day comes, I hop on the plane, and we fly, and we make phenomenal time, and we land, and I'm just, like, ready to go, right? Because we've been, like, planning this for months. And we start taxiing up to the gate, and they're like, hey, guys, we got here a little early, so they're not ready Forward, so yes, just hang, hang tight. I was like, all right, great. That hang tight turned into like a 45-minute long thing, like sitting there. And I was like, I've like waited to take off, but waiting to like get to my gate has never happened before. I was like, this is like, I got places to be. Like, I got a surprise to, you know, like, let's, let's go, right? So eventually, we like pull up, and I'm a little like frazzled and stuff like that. So anyway, we, we then get to the rental car place, and I was like, all right, man, I need my car ASAP so I can go. And they're like, yeah, man, we're not seeing it. I was like, what do you mean you're not seeing it? Like, I, I booked it. Like, they go, yeah, man, you're not here. I was like, well, here's my confirmation code. And they're like, all right, cool. And they go, ah, I get it. Yeah, your car's at Eagle Rock. I was like, cool, where's that? They go, yeah, that's like 40 miles away. I was like, what? I go, I specifically booked LAX. Like, I didn't book in Eagle Rock. And they go, yeah, so here's the thing. Because they're so far away, they don't get a lot of, like, business, so they call themselves LAX Eagle Rock, and so guys like you who don't know, book with them, and so your car's in Eagle Rock. I was like, are you kidding me? That's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. I was like, how do I get there? I was like, I don't have a car, and they're like, I guess take an Uber, like, I don't know, and I was like, I go, guys, I go, I don't have time to sit in LA traffic going 40 miles to get my car. I was like, please, can you do anything? So by the grace of God, about an hour and a half later, we finally get a car, and I'm on my way, and so I'm like, Oh, so I'm like going, it's like nothing's really gone according to plan, right? But I was like, I still got the surprise, right? So I drive and I meet her and her friends for lunch and I show up and I'm like, hey, I'm here. Happy birthday. And she was like, hey. I was like, are you surprised? And she goes, no. I was like, what? Like, I was so stoked. Like, I knew, your mom knew, your friend knew. Like, like I don't, like, how did you know? She's like, well, like, Two months ago, like, I was on your MacBook, and like, a text popped up in the corner about you coming to California, so I've like, known the whole time. And I'm like, 
you gotta be kidding me. And like, she was like asking me questions like the day before. She's like, so what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, I'm like lying to her. I'm like, ah, I'm like getting meetings with people and stuff. She was like, yeah, who are you with? I was like, I don't know. And so anyway, like, like I lied to her, all these things. And then I show up and I'm like, ah, oh, my surprise. Everything I planned is for nothing. So anyway, we've been seeing counselors about it and stuff like that. There's some trust issues that I have, um, but I'm slowly and surely getting through it. But the point being, um, man, there's something frustrating, right, about having a plan and nothing going according to plan, right? Like, like when our plans just get ruined, there's something in us that, man, we just kind of get frustrated by it, right? And, and, and that takes root with, like, small things like planning a s- surprise, but, man, this takes a, a bigger step up when it comes to, like, the bigger plans in our life, like, when, when it comes to, like, a career or a relationship, right? There are all these things that, that we map out, we kind of plan our lives, and when things don't go according to plan, what happens? We get upset about it, right? Because we've been taught along the way that we have pretty epic plans, right? Like, like, like no one has a better plan for their life than themselves, and so all of a sudden, we turn to God and we say, God, this isn't the plan. God, like, what's going on here? Because we've been taught that, like, that, that our plans being ruined is a negative thing, right? Because no one cares more about our plans than we do, right? But I want to pose a question tonight. Because if, if I've seen anything over the course of life, it's that very rarely do our lives actually play out the way that we plan them to, right? Anybody? Right? Like, like, I look at my life, and very few things in my life have played out the way that I planned them to. So I spent a lot of time frustrated with the Lord trying to be like, God, you knew the plan. Like, I made the plan. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on here, right? But I want to pose a question. What if God ruining your plans is actually the most gracious thing that he could possibly do for you? What if God blowing up your plans or changing the direction of your life, what if that is evidence of God's grace upon your life? Because when I read scripture, what, what I find is that I think that's what's actually happening here. In fact, I, I know it is. Scripture is so clear that our God changes the direction of our plans. And when he does, that is evidence of his grace. It's the most gracious, loving thing that he can possibly do for us. And so the question is, man, if, if we actually come to a place where we would actually believe that, how would that change our posture? How would that change the way that we approach God or the way that we respond when things in our life don't go according to plan? Right, so, so that's what I want to prove to us tonight. I want to kind of make a case and prove to you that, that God blowing up your plans might actually be the most gracious, loving thing that he could possibly do for you. And my hope is that as we begin to understand this, it changes our response to God. It, it changes our posture when things don't go according to plan. So that's where we're going to go. So let me uh, begin to kind of unpack that for us. And so we're going to start in Isaiah 55 in verse one, and so I wanna start off by, by making a case that our God actually is a God who is full of grace. Let's go Isaiah 55, starting in verse one. It says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast love, uh, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. 
Verse six, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. All right, stop right there for a second. If, if there's ever a question if our God is gracious, this begins to make a pretty phenomenal case that our God is full of grace, right? Because what he does is he starts off, and Isaiah paints this, this beautiful picture for us of, of what God is calling us to, the relationship that God wants to have with, with us. And he says, hey, you who have no money, you who can't bring anything to the table, come and eat, come and have your fill, come and feast. I'm offering you everything, right? You who have no money, come eat and drink. That, that is a beautiful invitation. That's a beautiful picture of grace, especially if you know what it's like to be broke, right? So um, for instance, uh, two years ago, I, in this kind of weird moment, I quit my job um, and it like wasn't planned. I just said it during lunch and I don't know if you've ever had that like moment when you say something and then you're like, oh, you should come back, you know? And you just like can't because it's gone. And that's where I was. And I was like, I didn't plan on quitting my job. And I didn't have anything lined up. So immediately I thought I'm homeless. I don't have any source of income. Like I, I, I got like ration everything. And so I've become hyper aware of what things cost because I don't have a job anymore. And so the next day, my roommate at the time was like, hey man, my fiance is having a birth birthday thing. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And then he tells me where it was. And it was at this really cool, trendy spot, but also really pricey. And so immediately I'm like, I'm broke. Like, I don't have any money. Um, this is going to hurt the bank. But you know what? Friendship, let's go. So I was like, yeah, for sure. So we go, I sit down, I get the menu, and the cheapest thing on the menu is a $16 burger. And I see it, I'm like, I'm getting a burger and water. That's what I'm getting. Like, maybe even like, hey, like, if I get half a burger, can you, like, cut in half? Like, I don't know. Like, like and so, uh, so I'm, I'm sitting there, and, like, and like the whole meal, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm spending $16 on a burger, and I don't have a job. Like, this is stupid, right? But then I look to my friend, and my friend beside me, he's just making it rain. Like, he's getting apps, he's getting, like, the beef shin, he's getting wine, his wife is getting steak and drinks, and, like, like they're just making it rain. And, and my friend is a high school math teacher, and, and I am, like, now hyper aware of what things cost. And so I'm adding up his meal in my head, I'm thinking, how much do you get paid to teach algebra? Because you're, like, dropping $200 on a Tuesday. Like, I don't know very many people who have the kind of coin to drop 200 bucks on a Tuesday. And so I'm thinking, like, am I just, like, the one broke person at this table? And, like, and I look, and everyone's just buying, like, everything, and they're just feasting. I'm like, I am so poor right now. Like, I've never felt more poor in my life. So anyway, we, like, eat, and my burger was great for a $16 burger. And, and I was like, hey, man, like, when's the check coming? And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, we got to pay and leave. So, like, when's the check coming? He goes, oh, dude, did you not know? Her parents are buying the whole thing. I was like, what? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Because the call that I didn't get was come, you who have no money, come and eat and drink, right? Like this call was, hey, I know you can't bring anything to the table. I know that you're broke, but come and feast. And I missed out on the call, right? Like, I didn't get that memo, but that was this amazing, gracious offer. And so what I see in this is that we have a God who says, hey, I know that you're broke. I know that you don't bring anything to my table, but it doesn't matter because I love you enough that I'm going to let you just come and sit and partake and feast. 
right? And it's this beautiful picture of what we see in the gospel. So even in, in verse 7, he gets more specific, and he says, hey, let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him to, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon, okay? That, that picture of coming and feasting, that, that's a picture of the fact that we have a God who abundantly pardons. Because what the gospel is, is, is this, that we have this broken relationship with God. Right? Our sin, it separates us from the God of the universe. And that even in Isaiah, it goes on to say that our, our righteous deeds, even on our best day, the best thing that we bring to the table is like filthy rags before God. And so what God's saying is, hey, man, you can't make up for this. Like, 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 like you can't do anything to earn my favor. Like, your sin, it separates me. Like, it, it separates us. But the reality is that God sent Jesus, and he said, hey, but it's okay, because I love you so much. I'm so gracious to you that I'm going to allow my son to take the penalty for your sin. And so as a result, you are now saved, you're redeemed, you've been adopted into my family. So now when I see you, I see you as a son and a daughter, not as an enemy or a stranger, but a son and a daughter. And I'm inviting you to come sit at my table and to eat for free, because that's how much I love you. Like, that is a gracious, gracious call. Our God says, hey, I know you bring nothing to the table. Your best day, you're still falling woefully short, but it's okay because I got you. I got you. I'm, I'm gracious to you. All right, so, so first off, I want us to understand that, that our God is most definitely a God who is in the habit of being gracious. And we know that most clearly through what Christ has done for us on the cross. Right? Now, here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want our understanding of God's grace to, to lead us to a place where we just kind of view God as this cosmic Santa Claus, right? Because I think a lot of times we focus so much on God's grace that it's like, oh yeah, God gives us stuff, right? Because, because grace is the idea that, that God gives us what we don't deserve and cannot earn, right? Which is different than mercy, right? Mercy is you not getting what you deserve. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve and cannot earn. And so if we just abuse grace and we look at God solely as a God who is gracious, we can turn him into this guy that's just, he, he's just there to give me stuff, right? He's just loving, which, which he is, but he's just there to just give me stuff. And, and we lose a major aspect of God when we just fall into that. So I want to show you another aspect of God that we need to understand, and it's the fact that our God isn't like us, that he is completely holy and other and mighty and powerful. And we see this in verse 8. In the same breath, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Right? So yes, God is gracious, but we also have a God who is next level. Right? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They are much higher than ours because he's God. Right? As far as the heavens are above the earth, so his ways are higher than our ways. Right? And so if you were here last week, we talked about Isaiah 40, this, this idea of a God that is so great and mighty and glorious that he can hold the oceans in the palm of his hand. Right? That, that he looks at the inhabitants of the earth and they're like grasshoppers. That he counts the earth as nothingness and as emptiness. Right? That God is in heaven reigning, doing as he pleases because he's God. Right? So yes, our God is gracious, but our God is next level. Right? He is next level. His ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Right? And that's so important for us to understand because when you look at the way that we function, specifically as it pertains to our plans, we function as if we believe that God needs to get on our level. When we make plans and they don't go according to plan, we look at God and we say, God, you need to get on my level because something's off here. Right? So think about it. When, 
when you get passed up for that promotion that you've rightfully earned, right, and you've crossed all your T's and dotted all your I's and you've done everything that they've expected of you and you get passed up and they give that promotion to that guy or that girl, what happens? We look at God and we say, God, this isn't the plan. Like, I did everything right. You're supposed to give this to me. Like, like something went wrong. Like, God, you got to explain to me. You need to get on my level and tell me what's going on here, right? Or let's say that, that you are convinced that this person that you're dating is the one, and then they come to you and they tell you that they're not. We look at God and we say, God, know the plan. This was not the plan. Look at my Pinterest board. It's on there. It's all mapped out, right? Like, like this is not the plan. God, you need to get on my level and explain to me what's going on here. Right, because we have convinced ourselves that our plans are so epic and so incredible and we know what's right that, that God needs to get on our level. And I just envision our God up reigning, ruling sovereignly, and he's just smiling. He's saying, that's adorable. Like, seriously, that is so cute. Like, I really needed a good giggle today and you just gave it to me. Thank you for that, right? Like, that's adorable that, that you think you know how this thing plays out. It's so cute that, that you think you understand, like, 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 while I'm God, that I'm reigning and ruling, that I see the whole picture and you see what's in front of you, that's so cute that you believe that I need to get on your level. Because we don't take God seriously half of the time. That we lose sight of how epic, how great and glorious and mighty our God is. Right? But God doesn't need to get on our level. We need to begin to understand and submit to the God of the universe who is all-powerful and all-knowing because he knows best, right? And so if we believe this, if we believe that we have a God who is in the habit of being extremely gracious to us, yet his ways are not our ways and they're much higher than ours, then then what we see here is, is, is there's a major implication when it comes to our plans because if God is both gracious and also much higher than we are in the way that he thinks and, and acts, then if God were to disrupt your plan, if he was to ruin your plan or change the direction of your life, what that reveals is that God cares more about your joy than you do. That that in ruining your plans, God is trying to reveal to you that his plan for your life contains more joy than your own plan does. Because God is for your joy more so than you are, right? Because he can see the whole picture, right? And, and, And that sounds backwards, Right, because we live in a culture that since day one has been telling us, hey, you look out for number one. You look out for yourself first because no one cares more about you than you. And so it sounds weird that anybody else, even God, would care more about your joy than you do because it's like, I'm me. Like, I know me. Like, I know what I want. I know what I need. So my plans are best when in reality, God cares more about your joy than you do. And when I look at my life specifically, my life has not played out the way that I expected it to. And like, I've had some pretty epic plans for my life. Like, like I'm a big dreamer. But when I see the way that my life has played out, what I find is that my most epic plans for my life are sad and pathetic compared to God's plan for my life. Like how I see my life play out, I mean, God's plans make my plans look sad and pathetic because he cares more about my joy than I do, right? So uh, for instance, um, I've shared before that, that my greatest dream in life for a long time was to be a singer-songwriter. I wanted to be this like epic artist and I wanted to date celebrities and be famous and all that stuff, right? And I specifically, I wanted to be an artist because I wanted to be famous, right? A lot of guys will say, man, I was in it for, for like the art. I was not, I was in it for the fame, um, 100%. I cared about art because I thought art could make me famous and that's what I wanted, right? But specifically, when, when I look about 
or look at why I wanted fame, what I see is that I had this deep desire to be known. I wanted people to, to know me. But specifically, I, I wanted them to know me from afar. I wanted them to know me just enough to marvel at me, but not enough to actually see my brokenness. Like, I didn't want to actually be known. I just wanted to kind of have that, like, celebrity known, right? And so that's what I, I wanted. And so I chased that for a long time, and then the Lord very drastically changed my plans and said, no, you're going to go be a pastor, which was not the plan. And immediately I was like, God, that's, that's so weird. Like, this isn't what I wanted. That, that's not the plan. Like, I don't know what to do with this. But what God did is God said, hey, I see what you want. You want to be known. But the problem is that you want to be known from afar, but I want you to be known up close because that's going to bring you a lot more joy. So what he's done is he's placed me in a job that I didn't plan for where every day I get to sit across coffee tables from people and we get to just tell stories about life. And they tell me their story and I tell them mine and we get to talk and wrestle through how the gospel applies to our life. And I get to walk in, in community and vulnerability and I get to stand on stage and tell stupid, embarrassing stories about myself, right? Like, like I get th th this job where, where I get to be known up close that's so much better than anything that I ever wanted. And so God saw my deepest desire, my biggest dream, and he says, hey, you want to be known, but you're doing it wrong. You're, you're shortchanging yourself. If you want to be known, let me take your plan, let me redirect it so that you can actually be known, so that you can actually be in community with people who, who want to know you and know where you struggle and know the deepest parts of your soul. And that's just like one scenario out of a hundred where, where I had these, these ideas of what I, what I wanted, what I needed, what, how my life should play out, and God just blew it up. But he blew it up for his glory and for my joy. Right? And, and so maybe you're in that place where you were just in here and you're thinking, man, like I don't know where to go. Like everything that I've experienced, like this just isn't the plan. Like, like maybe you're in Fort Worth and this is the last place that you want to be. Maybe you're here because it's the only job that you could find, the only place that would ever hire you, and you're like, really, Fort Worth, Texas? This isn't where I was supposed to be, and you're frustrated. Maybe you just got dumped. Maybe you are in a place where I don't know where you are, but maybe you're in a place where you're just frustrated because your life's not playing out the way that you thought it would. Man, I want you to know that what's happening is God is trying to reveal that his plan for your life is so much more joyful because what happens is we shortchange ourselves all the time. And so what God's saying is, hey, look, I care about your joy. Like, I'm gracious, but I'm not just gracious to you. Man, my ways are higher. I can see the whole picture. I know what you need more than you do. And what's happening is you are so short-sighted, you are short-changing yourself. So, so let me keep you from robbing yourself of joy. Let me lead you into the fullest joy possible. That's what our God is doing. But sometimes that's hard for us to wrestle with. But in order for us to get, to get to this place, we have to understand who our God is. We have to understand that we have a God who is in the habit of being extremely gracious. And we know that because of the cross. We know that because he hasn't withheld his son from us. But that our God, I mean, his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. But man, when we come to a place where we can believe that, when the Holy Spirit gives us the eyes to understand that, and that changes our posture, but that, that changes the way that we respond in those moments. Because again, like your life is not going to play out the way that you expect it to. Very rarely is your plans going to go according to the way that you planned them, right? So when things get disrupted, when your plans change, man, my hope is that we can have this posture where we look and say, all right, God, I trust you. 
And imagine what life would be like if you actually did. So I have this like vision or just this like dream where or our faith in the Lord is so solid that when our plans blow up, we can turn to our friends and say, yo, the coolest thing just happened. My plans just got blown up. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I'm homeless. I don't have a job. Like, I'm dumped. Like, I, like, I don't know. Like, 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 I, like, I don't know what my life is going to be like. But here's what I do know. If God just ruined my life, if, if, if my plans are, are, are just disrupted, that means that I was shortchanging myself. That means that my plans were going to rob me of joy, but God loves me too much for that. So God, for whatever reason, he blew up my plans so that I might walk in the fullest joy possible. So I don't know what's next, but I'm going to trust God because I know that he's got me. How amazing, like how different would life be if our faith in God was so strong that we saw our disruptive plans and go, man, praise the Lord. I don't know what's gonna happen. This is a really scary time, but man, I'm stoked because I know who, the, who my God is. And I know that he's gracious, that he's not here to rob me of joy, that he's gonna lead me into the fullest joy possible. So I'm gonna trust him. Man, may, may we be a people who have the faith to look at our God and say, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust you. I trust you. But, man, it comes from us having the understanding of our God that he's a God who is in the habit of being gracious to us and that his ways are not our ways. Let me pray. God, I am... Um, I don't pretend to know um, every single story in this room. Um, I don't pretend to know what kind of plans have been disrupted, whether it's career, or job, or family, or sickness. Um, I don't know these things. But I know that there are brothers and sisters in this room who are just at a loss, who are sitting in these chairs, and they're looking at you and they're saying, God, I don't know where to go from here. My life isn't playing out the way that I, I, I thought it would. This isn't the plan. So Father, my hope is that we are a people who have the faith to, to trust you. That we can look at you and say, Man, God, I, I don't see the big picture, but I know that you do. That your ways are higher than mine, that your thoughts are not my thoughts. So God, will you graciously reveal to us what you have in store? Will, will you give us the faith to believe that you are in control, that you are at work? God, we love you so much and we trust you. It's your son's name we pray. Amen.